In his rule for monks, St. Benedict tells us that he wants everything to be done by daylight. Uh, This would be with the exception of the Office of Vigils, which begins right before dawn in the summer months and then begins about two-thirds of the way through the night during the winter months. Uh, I like to point out that this means during winter the monks would have had nine or ten hours to sleep, uh, which we don't allow ourselves now that we have electric lighting and so on in the modern world. Uh, At night, they didn't have electric lighting, and so there was a candle that was to be burning throughout the night, and one brother would have kept watch as well. Uh, There were also no security cameras, and uh, in Subiaco and Monte Cassino, there were no police patrolling outside uh, during the night hours. And so a brother had to keep an eye out on things, and they would have taken shifts and so on throughout the night. This indicates that the dark was a menacing reality in the ancient world, actually for most of history. It's only very recently that we can afford to uh, burn lights at all hours of the day. And uh, actually, many of us here, I'm sure, perhaps most of us, don't really know what it's like to be in in the pitch black, to be in the dark, for real. Uh, Once, I I did manage to get lost in a, a wooded area in the dark far away from the city. Uh, Thankfully, there was a full moon that night. It wasn't too cloudy, so I could see a little bit. But as the brothers can tell you, I don't have a very good sense of direction. And uh, at a certain point, uh, I realized I had no idea where I was. I was looking for a cabin where I was staying. And uh, I had gone astray somewhere. And uh, in the dark, everything looked more or less the same. It was kind of fun for a couple of minutes, kind of romantic, but it was also very, very cold. And um, I was thinking about the Jack London story to build a fire where uh, the poor fellow panics at the end because it's so cold, just starts running aimlessly around. I didn't quite reach that point. I, I finally managed to stumble, really, upon the cabin, and I was okay. But for the last 15, 20 minutes that I was wandering about, it was a bit scary because... You don't know what's out there. You can't see. There could be a wild animal. There could be somebody waiting for me. Uh, I could just be completely lost, and I had nowhere to go. I'd have to find a street somewhere and walk to a gas station, you know, that kind of thing. A similar thing happened to the poet Dante at the beginning of his Divine Comedy. He discovers that he's lost in a dense, dark wood. In his case, he sees a light over a hill, and this were to understand is the light of Christ himself, but he can't get there because there are wild animals blocking his path. And in his case, he really does give in to despair. He sits down at the bottom of the hill where he can't see the light anymore and just gives up, basically. This is an image of mortal sin in his case, or at least of a soul perilously close to being lost, of losing the light of grace. Now, I want to point out that when St. Matthew quotes the prophet Isaiah this morning, he makes a slight change. I don't know if you noticed it. In Isaiah's prophecy, he says, The people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. St. Matthew writes of those sitting in darkness. And I was wondering, pondering this, if the fullness of time didn't have to wait uh, for these people in darkness to stop wandering about aimlessly, sit still for a minute, and wait wait for grace, wait for God's intervention. Even if they had seen the great light in the time of Isaiah, 
it almost seems as if they finally despaired of reaching it on their own. The truth is, if we walk in darkness, we may very well be going in the wrong direction for a long time before we realize it. We could be in big trouble. In Dante's poem, the Virgin Mary sees him lost and sends him help in the form of the soul of the poet Virgil. And when Dante sees Virgil, he says, oh, this is great. There's that light up there. I want to get there. You know, take me right there. And Virgil's response uh, to Dante's ears is good news and bad. The good news is uh, you can be saved. God wills it. He wants. He doesn't want you to stay in the dark. Uh, but the bad news, the part that sounds like bad news to Dante, is that even though they can see the light there, Virgil says, in effect, you can't get there from here. That's because you have to take a different route, which is to say, you must repent. Turn around. Uh, admit that you're lost and it's not so easy to find your way back. And start following Christ instead of your own uh, will. And so Virgil takes Dante, as I'm sure most of us know, through hell, through purgatory, and into heaven. And it's significant that everywhere they go in this journey, Jesus Christ has been there already. And so in a sense, what Dante is doing is learning to follow Christ. But the first thing that he must do is he must follow Christ to the cross and through the underworld. He must see sin for what it is and admit his complicity with it, that this is how he got lost in the first place. Uh, and to follow Christ, it's not so simple as just uh, having something handed to us. We're invited to participate in our own healing by following Christ. The great light that our Lord brings to the nations, then, can often be experienced, at least at first, as something like darkness. And this is true if you've been in a really dark space and you walk out into the sun, the first thing that happens is you can't see, right? It takes a while for your eyes to get adjusted. This happens to Dante over and over again. It takes a little while. Uh, but he keeps going forward, he keeps learning, he keeps uh, becoming more apt to the truth, which is Christ himself. And what is happening here is he's learning to walk by faith and not by sight, not by his own sight. And so when we find ourselves in darkness, whether it be literal or figurative and moral, which is where I'd like to go with this, often our first response is to do anything, just start walking around, try anything, even if we have no idea whether it will work. And when I think of our world today, we think of some of the significant dangers we're all aware of. Uh, there's something in common, and that is we really don't know how to fix it. You know, whether it be global warming or the threat of nuclear war or out-of-control federal debt, weaponized drone technology, demographic trends stressing our health care system, you name it, um, these are problems that are too big for any of us to figure out. We should just be honest about that. But what happens is there's a tendency to just run about and propose anything and get very upset about it. We see this in our political system right now. Uh, our political system isn't working very well, and what happens is people just start doing anything, even if it doesn't make any sense. And perhaps this is because we fear that the alternative is despair, right? just to sit down and give up. But I'd like to propose a different alternative, Again, that is what our Lord proposes today. Repent. Live differently. 
One of the darknesses we experience, and this is part of the monastic tradition that comes out of St. Paul, is sin and vice darken our minds, don't allow us to think straight, whether it be from sensuality or from anger or from greed. These things make it impossible for us to see the world as it is. And so all the solutions we might propose will just make the situation worse, or are likely to at least. But for some of us, uh, repentance might be immediate relief, at least in the short run, because we don't have to despair. But it also will mean for all of us confrontation with our own complicity in a broken world and a discovery of our weakness and our wrongheadedness in grasping efforts to fix problems that are beyond our powers. But the kingdom of heaven is at hand whenever we stop relying on ourselves and we heed the Lord's words to follow him. Once upon a time, a very small band of fishermen, tax collectors, and tent makers set in motion a movement that transformed the greatest empire that the world had ever seen and perhaps has ever seen. And so there's no difficulty in our world that's too great for God. There's no situation that can't be addressed by the Creator. The question is, will we continue to try to go it on our own, or will we turn around, repent, and learn anew how to walk by faith in the Son of God?